0: This is the Dreadful Podcast on TV Podcast Industries and we're talking about Season 3, Episode 2 of Penny Dreadful, Predators Far and Near. Welcome back, fellow Penny Faithful. We're talking about Penny Dreadful, Season 3, Episode 2, Predators Far and Near.
1: I'm one of your hosts, Derek, not a predator at all. Hello there, fellow Darklings. Yes, I am one of your other hosts, John. Also not a predator. No, I'm being predated upon. (laughs) I'm being hunted by the Master.
0: (laughs) Everyone's being hunted by the Master, it seems, doesn't it? Yes, it it certainly (laughs) Does (laughs) Does <laughs> certainly does indeed well, definitely Vanessa. Anyway, we're gonna crack on with our discussions about season three, episode two, "Predators Far and Near." The episode was directed once again by Damon Thomas and written by John Logan. John, our John, not John Logan. Do you want to give us the
1: summary for this episode? Sure. Dorian Gray and Lily rescue a girl named Justine from a torture house, and Lily promises her that she will have revenge against those who hurt her. Sir Malcolm and Kayetane embark on a ship to the American West to rescue Ethan. Meanwhile, Inspector Rusk refuses to hand the matter of Ethan's execution to the Americans due to his snatching, but Ethan transforms and murders his escorts with the help of Hecate. Dr. Jackal shows Victor Frankenstein his lab, They agree to test on a subject before attempting anything on Lily. Frankenstein has a tender moment with Lily, who advises him not to see her again. Meanwhile, Vanessa begins her regular sessions with Dr. Seward, while her receptionist, Renfield, begins gathering information for his new master. (laughs) After the session, Vanessa attends a lecture given by Dr. Sweet, and later invites him to accompany her for a night out. Later, Renfield visits his master's lair, With the information he has gathered, his master, Dr. Sweet, is revealed to be Dracula. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Not-So-Sweet. No, not-So-Sweet at all. (laughs) Um, yes, those eyes were great as he looks up to, to slit his wrist to allow Renfield to feed. Mm-hmm. What a great image! Fantastic. I loved yeah. it. Really, really good. Um, cool. yeah, really nicely done. One um, thing I'm so
0: glad about is that they didn't keep this a secret for very long because you kind of exactly. knew in episode one,
1: didn't you? Yeah, you kinda definitely an yeah. <laughs> you knew any chance encounter with someone who was charming, um, was not going to be the encounter. It looked like yeah. on the face of it, especially for poor Vanessa. No, exactly. <laughs> it's it's like it's a, a guarantee that the person's going to be a bad person. <laughs> she's just had a pep talk from Mister Lyle, mm-hmm. who has given her some sound advice to get her back on her feet. And um, she's, you know, taking those tentative steps. And the first person she runs into is another one of these demons that just want to kind of um, capture her and have her by their side. Mm. Seems like a prophecy or something. It really does. Oh, it was a prophecy. It was, yes. (laughs) Um, She is Amonet, who will walk with Mm Amon-Ra. Maybe. Maybe. Or will she? Exactly. (laughs) Will Dracula be successful where
0: Lucifer wasn't? Exactly, yeah. Interesting stuff. John, do you want to give us your big moment from Season
1: 3, Episode 2? Yes. um, I've got another quote to start off my point here. Do your people always speak so enigmatically? And mm-hmm. um, this is Samalcolm to um who is played here by Wes Studi, mm-hmm. um, who I loved from Last of the Mohicans. Oh yes, um, absolutely loved him from Last of the Mohicans. So I'm, I'm a big fan of of this actor, mm-hmm. just primarily, I think, for 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 that movie, um, and. I, I, I like these two characters together. Mm-hmm. Um, Kayetani is this defiant Native American. Um, he, you know he says I am Chiricahua Indian by birth and right mm-hmm. um, just so strong and um, stoic and we didn't
0: really mention it in episode one we said we'd talk about it in episode two their introduction to the two characters where they meet in Zanzibar is really interesting because we do finally I think we actually get a little moment of Timothy Dalton doing his Bond James Bond moment as he's being attacked from all around Kat and I taking out some of the folks but we do have um, Sir. Malcolm turning on people with a gun It feels very Bond-like uh, in that in that first moment. I think it's because he's alone and he doesn't have the power of Ethan on one side and the power of uh, Simbène on the other side. This time he feels like he's his own powerful Bond character. Even though Ketney is a very powerful character, it feels like a Bond moment for once.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, Cayetane helps him here. I, I love the fact that he scalps uh, the last person he takes down and um, right in front of Samalcolm, mm-hmm. and he just turns and says old traditions die hard Absolutely. And i think as well just the context of that meeting in zanzibar um where he he says to to Sir Malcolm, ethan chandler needs your help come to america and effectively says our son needs us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love this idea that Sir Malcolm, you know, we, we saw him having fatherly conversations with Victor, but there were a few with, with Ethan, but there was a, an element of distrust between the two of them. Certainly, um, initially, I think that kind of disappeared yeah. uh, became less so a, as time went on. Kayetne then is also seen as this father figure in some way mm. to, um, to Ethan Chandler as well. Or dare I say Ethan Talbot, um, you okay. know, maybe a more supernatural father to, um, Ethan. But one of the great things is, you know, some Alchem immediately, um, Almost fobs him off, but he says, "But you were born to fight the demons of the earth and sky." Mm -hmm. And I I think this is one of the things that I I love um, about these two interacting. They're both stoic figures; they 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 really are. Yeah. And but coming from very different places, I think one of the great things I liked here is when Malcolm stands up for Ketney on the train as they're travelling across. Uh, the vast interior of the u.s to try and track down ethan uh you know there are two american redneck cowboys that are effectively throwing uh racist abuse saying he shouldn't be in the first class carriage they should be in with the post and in with the horses uh on, on in the in the mail cart mm-hmm. um, and and Malcolm stands up to these two um, redneck cowboys. And I I love the fact that Sir Malcolm really puts the fear of God into these two uh, rednecks to effectively back down. But the uh, Kayetne is just so defiant. And I I really uh, enjoyed this. I think Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that I really like is just this dipping into Native American... Um, spirituality mm. uh, and culture. Uh, you know, Keitney says, our son needs us. Um, you know, and he speaks to Ethan across the spiritual plane, uh, using some kind of smoke or psychoactive drug. It's just a, a, a great kind of nod to the, um, fantastic traditions of, uh, the Native Americans. And I, I think that, um, I, th- I think the reason why I'm so, I so enjoyed this is because we've had these moments in the previous seasons where Ethan has described what he's done to Native Americans mm-hmm. um, as being being in the U.S. Army and, and the great Indian wars that happened in terms of as the, uh, America moved westwards across that vast interior of America. Well, the Indians, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and to finally sort of find out that – um he has this father figure in Kaietni um seemingly one that is at odds because when he does speak to him at, across that spiritual plane um he really doesn't seem to like Kaietni there there is some bad bad blood um and no love lost between these two there's the great line which suggests the nature of their relationships, where he says, Look into my eyes. Did they look at you when you killed them? says Ethan to, um, Kayetne. Mm. Um, and yes, is this the king wolf? Is this the, you know, in the same way as Dracula is the master of vampires, is this, um, you know, patient zero within mm. the werewolf uh, community. I, I, I like that kind of idea. I like uh, the idea sure. of a werewolf community. I think that's quite cool. Well, <laughs> yeah. Werewolf pack, maybe. Yeah, a pack. Yes, <laughs> okay, exactly. And um, I'm probably thinking of the New Zealand movie uh, with all the werewolves going around. But they're um, werewolves, that's werewolves. Uh, yeah, we exactly. yes. yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, thinking of, yes, a nice community in sort of suburban New Zealand, um, sort of doing their thing. But yeah, yeah, I, I I really like how it connects in with um, effectively those really awful tales mm. of uh, a, a America's treatment of the Native Americans. Absolutely.
0: And I wanted to point out one of the things that was in uh, the first episode as well, uh, kind of the voiceover that Sir Malcolm's doing in the first episode. Um, he's talking about the fact that Af- Africa has lost its luster and has lost its romanticism now that it is, it's full of slavers, effectively. So he is Completely appalled by the slave trade that 's going on in Africa and what it 's done to all of the people that are there and and everything that 's going on there, you know remember he was an explorer and he would have been somebody that would have been an early uh, arrival on the on that continent effectively it's someone that had had wished he'd fi- he 'd found the uh, source of the nile was, was one of the things he 'd always strived for was finding that and then he comes back to Zanzibar with the body of Sembene and realizes how much the presence of these English explorers has damaged the country of Africa, yeah. Um, so I kind of like that. That set Malcolm up in a new way for this season to to go and explore the Americas with someone who has also been hurt by the Europeans coming over and destroying America yeah. by taking the exactly. land away from the Native Americans. So it kind of sets Malcolm in a new place by going to visit Zanzibar in himself, I think, which is just a, a nice touch that they did at the beginning of season uh, season three.
1: Definitely, and I, I think um, the, the great thing about the, that communication that Kayetney does is that within um, the, I suppose, the spiritual traditions of Native Americans, uh, you have this animistic uh, religion and shamanistic religion where, you know, uh, animistic is that, you know, Trees, the landscape, the mm. environment, animals, our deities in themselves have this spirituality that they uh, worship. That's right. Yeah. A- and the shamanistic were, you know, different states of consciousness are, are reached. And um, so it, it fits in nicely if, if he is the werewolf father to, to Ethan yes. um, as well. This idea of, of coming from this spiritual tradition, uh, which I, I really, I find really fascinating, mm-hmm. to be honest. And I love that that's what, um, John Logan is capturing here. Mm-hmm. Even down to the fact where Ethan is in the saloon, I think in Cascabel, mm. um, and he is served by a Native American lady. And, um, and he gives her a warning before he turns because it's a full moon. He says, you can leave this room right now. Uh, I'm one of, uh, Kayetney's tribe. And, you know, you see the acknowledgement in her face. I, I just thought that was really yeah. uh, a nice little touch, uh, within this episode. But, um, for me, yeah, I, I think this, this, this coupling of Samalcan with i is just so, so good. Hmm. Um, and it, it's one of the things, I remember really enjoying about season three Mm -hmm. is this whole connection between uh, Malcolm and Kayetney, this idea of them being fathers to Ethan and exploring, certainly through Kayetney, the influence of Native Americans um, that they still had uh, at the time, but also with Ethan, despite what he's done to them. And like, it's kind of an interesting dynamic uh, for me. I think the interesting thing, when I was looking up about um, the Indian spirituality, just given what Ethan talks about as well, taking, you know, children from the tribe Mm -hmm. and effectively Anglicizing them and Americanizing them, um, that Native Americans weren't able to practice their spirituality or their religion. It was still banned up until 1978 in the U.S. Wow. Which I was like gobsmacked at. Yeah. Um so it just shows you to what extent um that first people has been suppressed yeah, here. Yeah. Um and and so I kinda I, I root for kayakney kind of Absolutely,
0: yeah, yeah, he's a great character, great new great new addition to the to the uh series. I did think it was interesting having Hectory paired up with Ethan. It's kind of interesting, isn't it, the coupling between the two of them, especially because she joins him in the attack, becomes the nightcomer, comes out of the wall and kills some people around him, and then she's kind of going, uh, "So are we together now? Is that you know? Are we going around around the, all of America? Gonna, and we're going to rule? Is that what's going to happen now with the the <laughs> yeah. wolf of, of the Lord?" And you kind of see with him going, like she caused so much trouble for him and yeah. his entire group last season, so. Would he be willing to work with her? Would he need to work with her? Is there any particular reason that she's giving him other than the fact that she is a very par- powerful
1: witch? It is the start of a really interesting and potentially odd dynamic. Yeah. Um, you know, probably a relationship or a, a coupling that is forced upon Ethan mm-hmm. rather than willingly entered into. Uh, but I, I thought that was really, uh, yeah, I thought that was an interesting, um, thing to bring hecate back here but mm-hmm. it makes sense as you say given the whole uh scene in his room uh, towards the end of season two yeah uh, it's a nice little touch as well also just to say to the question do your people always speak so enigmatically mm-hmm. kaini does answer yes, yes. yes uh, do. which is a <laughs> it's a nice little play uh on those i suppose dare i say it those western films where you do have that kind of wise, spiritual, native Mm -hmm. American. Um, and he's just kind of like, yeah, it's our stick. Exactly. I'm owning it. Shut up. <laughs> I like
0: it. I like yeah. it. Um, my big moment from the episode really is just the reintroduction of Lily and Dorian because uh, we didn't really get anything of them in episode one. And there were two major characters finishing off the season as two supernatural beings and two um, immortal beings now working together. So uh, getting to see their plan in the, to begin with, I suppose, what the beginnings of it and what they're going to do with them in season three, I thought was really interesting. Um, we've seen some brutality in this world, this Victorian world that John Logan created uh, for the first couple of seasons but I think the opening of this episode probably feels more brutal than anything we've seen before. Yeah. This group of um, of rich old men sitting in a
1: room waiting for a young girl to be beaten to death in front of them. Like, Dare I say it's almost like a precursor to a snuff movie. Yeah, that, that's, that's what again. it felt like, that um, this was the Victorian equivalent to the snuff movie. Hmm. They would kidnap Someone to kill them. And they were willing to pay significant money to to watch that. And they're watching Um, her be
0: killed. It's not like they're even participating. It seems they're just watching her be killed. Like, it's just... It's really disturbing uh in in the intention and the minute that lily and uh, dorian pull out their guns and kill everybody in the room you're you're absolutely rooting for them you know uh this new character of justine is introduced here uh being saved by lily and, and dorian i kind of like the tiny twist to uh, villainousness that we have in lily when she does uh, bring justine in there's no comforting whisper from her telling her yeah. she's safe she doesn't say that she says you're mine to, yes. uh, to Justine so um, interesting so recruiting from these downtrodden women in, in London is where we start with their uh, with their new plan I suppose so um, so intrigued to see uh, what happens with them I, I love that they uh, bring her to Dorian's amazing apartment in London uh, and then treat her really well bring her to her new home and then tell her if she's willing to join them they will have a monumental revenge on the men of London uh, I think it's a, g- a great moment and I, I kind of like having Dorian in this kind of supporting position yeah. to Lily you know it's, it's interesting that she would even team up with Dorian considering the feelings she seems to have for any man um, but I suppose him being an immortal and him him being another supernatural being is kind of what gets him a pass in a way yeah he,
1: he's different actually it almost feels like she's treating Dorian in the same way that he has treated other people previously mm-hmm. he's connected in with them because they're different She's doing the same because he's not like normal men. Yeah. But will she get bored of him like he has previously? Which is an interesting question it moving is. forward yeah. in terms of uh, this relationship.
0: mm mm-hmm. And there is just one of the moments that that was in the episode as well that I wanted to talk about. And we talked about it in in uh, episode one already with Victor and Lily having their meeting because Victor has been watching Lily uh, from outside of her apartment. But I really like the scene, so I want to talk about it a little bit more here again. Sorry, and there's loads of other stuff to talk about in the episode. But um, but it, there's a tenderness to Lily with Victor where she's yes. saying to him. I know I was your first love. I get it. I know you were a virgin before we slept together. I understand that. But you'll move on. Everybody has a first love they have to move on from. You can't be sitting outside the house here. And you would expect that Lily would actually kill him. Um yeah. You know, but she's very tender with him. She's saying, I'm not the person that you fell in love with. If you continue to stalk me, you will see the person I'm becoming and you're not going to like it it's first love, you will recover from this. And she lets him walk away, you know? Yeah. Um. I, I kind of like that that's the way she's played this with, with Victor because there's so many other ways that she could have done it. So I kind of like that she is willing to tell him and be very realistic with him. Just this is it, it's over, walk away before it gets any worse. We know from yeah. the rest of the story it is getting worse. We know Victor's already engaged uh, Dr. Um, Jekyll to help him to... Change her personality to, so that she will just fall for him again. But it was a moment where at least she's trying to reason with him without pushing him away, without laughing in his face like she did before. Yes. You know, she's trying to tell him, This is over. My,
1: our story is done. Yeah, exactly. And it, it feels like with the pact that he has with Dr. Jekyll, he's trying one last time to see if she will come willingly without requiring Dr. Jekyll's yeah. uh, chemistry and. Uh, his science, mm-hmm. uh, or indeed to destroy her. Yeah. That you know, this is kind of that one last romantic proposition that he is trying to do to bring her back to him. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That
0: was my main point for the episode, and your main point for the episode. I know we can't cover everything that goes on in the episode, especially with the only two of us, and we're just covering our big moment. But there's so much that went on in this episode that I think needs to be talked about. It just even just to mention it, um, Doctor Jekyll actually curing this. Violent Queen Threatener, I think I've written in my notes here. Uh, He does cure him with just a simple solution. This thing that he's been promising for Victor, uh, that he's able to cure someone of their violent tendencies, gives one injection, and Mr. Balfour turns back into a normal Scottish person, basically. I find this really intriguing. And the first time I saw it, I think I was saying it to you afterwards, John, when we watched the episode, you see this this guy coming in with crusty face and his hair all matted, and um, he looks really... Like he's been in prison for years for for this uh crime that he committed well as of, victor
1: as Victor says, never threaten the queen, exactly. otherwise you go into the asylum,
0: yeah exactly, um but the idea that then he gets this injection and he's completely cleaned up is his hair looks like he's he's just had it done almost, and um, his face has lost all the crustiness to it, and it's it's a normal face again. when I saw it first, I was kind of going, oh well they, that wouldn't happen, that's not possible. But it is possible in the world of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde because that's the central premise of them. It's only when I talked to you about it afterwards, John, while we were having that chat, I suddenly realized, but that's the whole premise of yes the Incredible Hulk and Bruce Banner. The Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is that when they change from one, from one uh, being to another being, it's unrecognizable who they were yeah, beforehand who exactly. they were as Mr Hyde it's unrecognizable when they become Dr Jekyll so uh, so that is a reference to to the book but when I saw it on on screen I was kind of going did they get a cleaner in to clean his face in those 2 seconds that he was <laughs> that he was knocked out kind of thing for Mr Balfour but uh, but no it makes a lot of sense
1: yeah i i think um i think for me t- two of the things from this is is definitely that uh Um, dr jekyll's laboratory in in bedlam is just amazing it's it's as good as victor's um attic reanimation studio Mm -hmm. um it's really nicely done I, i really like this idea again you know he does his thing in here and no one really asks any questions i think the other interesting thing about mr balfour is that he is um, a social agitator from Scotland mm-hmm. um because Robert Lewis Stevenson who wrote Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde was Scottish. Very good. And um, and one of the things in terms of the duality, um you know we talked about it personally, about the private public life in the previous episode. And um, but one of the other elements was about the um I suppose that iteration at that time of Scottish independence and Scottish nationalism uh, as opposed to English nationalism mm-hmm. so it was uh, it's kind of interesting that um that was picked up on in making Mr Balfour effectively um, a Scottish uh, social agitator that was uh, threatening the Queen. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, uh, again, the difference between monarchy or republicanism, I suppose. But mm-hmm. So that that was really good. I really liked um, Renfield here, you know, the morning after the night before um, where <laughs> he, you know, he, he's looking a little paler, maybe a little creepier. He certainly mm-hmm. his reactions are better. You can get that fly, That's pluck right. it out of the air to, to have a little manger first thing uh, in the morning uh-huh. but the he, blinds
0: are slightly closed as well you notice this yeah. time. Uh, it's a little Vanessa darker
1: goes. in the room yeah. um, but he is monitoring uh, vanessa's therapy uh, which are on those uh, great uh, gramophone the, the wax cylinders and mm-hmm. um, in return for blood uh, from dracula that he he brings the information back um and uh, i i did put in my uh, notes that renfield feeds on sweet sweet doctor sweet blood <laughs> um yes. yes and we get confirmation here right at the end as um renfield is feeding from the the wrist of dracula um you'll be flesh of my flesh says dracula that that the camera pans up really nicely as Doctor Sweet's head is back, his eyes are very red, mm. um, as he is feeding uh, his his spy effectively, Renfield. Yeah. Um so a great, great ending to to this episode. Definitely,
0: definitely. Only other thing to note for me in the episode is how they're keeping uh, Inspector Rusk involved because now he seems to be joining the Pinkertons to go on the search for Ethan. He caught his man once before. Will he catch him again this time? So, uh, so interesting that uh, that Inspector Rusk is going to be uh, following Ethan uh, on his journey across America. Yes, he's
1: enrolled the federal marshal this time. A mm. um, Franklin Osto, the actor who plays Franklin Osto, um, was in the Channel Four series Shameless, mm-hmm. which was about a council estate in Manchester, which was hilarious <laughs> yes. and has been adapted into the U.S us as yes, well absolutely absolutely on hbo as well i think <laughs> but yeah it's
0: uh it's a northern irish father so it's a character we know very well uh, and seeing him putting on yeah, this american
1: accent really good to see him yeah. uh doing uh doing that for yeah, sure definitely yeah. uh, that's
0: it for my notes for this episode anything else you want to talk about before we get on to the next one
1: no uh only to say that i have another great dr sweet joke uh for the next episode oh great Are they?
0: thanks so much we'll be back with our next episode of a petty dreadful season three episode three good and evil braided b next week